Hey, Brock, how are you? Doing well, man. How are you? Well, this past week, I uh, got my, I was down for a while. My iMac was, was bust. I had to use my laptop for a little bit. Uh, but that's like my mothership in my house. It runs my media server. I do all my video editing on there and my hard drive had failed. So I've been out of commission, but I just got an email that I can pick it up today. So I feel whole again. Yeah. So what have you been doing? Just kind of like laying down in the fetal position in the corner all week or what? Yeah. Sometimes you just stand at my desk and stare at the blank wall, just imagining yeah. my, my computer was there and I was being productive. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how, uh, how dependent we are, you know, <laughs> on these things. Oh uh, yeah. And you can get some stuff done on your phone or an iPad, but having a, having an actual computer still can't beat it. Sure. So, so you're going to get that back and that'll be hopefully, uh, running really well. And then you've got your, uh, new and improved studio space too, right? Yeah, I would say new and slightly improved. The improvement comes in the form of my new gear, but the slight downgrade is that it's smaller than the room that I used to shoot in, which is now my daughter's room. And so I've got some alternate plans for uh, an upcoming studio renovation, which I hope to share uh, in the future. But for now, the big thing is like I used to do five videos a week. I mean, I'm just unboxing, I would shoot three or four in the morning and I could edit them throughout the week. Uh, but I just haven't been able to get back into a rhythm since I've been switching everything around. So yeah, I, got, I think I got the lighting right. Um, I had, you and I, you know, just through this conversation has been very helpful. I mean, I ended up picking up a paper background instead of the cloth one, which helps with getting that stuff correct. And so, yeah, I think nice. I'm, I think I'm about to be back on track. I get my computer back today can probably get get up and running by full on next week awesome yeah i've actually i was this this week i'm i've been looking at um office spaces actually not even really offices necessarily but like just spaces um here in tucson there's a lot of like old buildings that used to be like warehouses or something and now they're either co-working spaces or uh like warehouse offices and so i've been thinking about getting just another space um because right now I have, you know, my main desk is in the living room, my studio space is in the guest room, and so I do have space, but it's all kind of multi-purpose. Um, so yeah, I was thinking about getting a, an office or some sort of just quiet, well-lit room that I could do a little bit of video in, and uh, and also just store all all of my work stuff, you know, so it's out of the house. So that might happen in the next uh, in the next month or so, but we'll see. Yeah, that's like the small business work from home problems is, yeah, you've, you've got your house, but it, it's another, it serves another purpose. Yeah, yeah, and you want you want some separation. And also, it's just, I'm sure you have the, the same thing where you, you get a lot of stuff for the sake of review and, you know, to create content. Um, and, you know, it ends up taking up a lot of space. So, um, yeah, just somewhere to uh, to put everything. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the guest room or the living room. <laughs> Yeah, really. Now I feel though. So you, if you get a new place to shoot, I feel like I've been in your bathroom a lot in the past, especially like the last two weeks uh, on, your, <laughs> on your channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. My bathroom is tiny, but um, but it is. It's got a window and it's pretty well lit. So yeah, I do all the hair stuff and grooming stuff in there. So I probably keep 
just keep shooting in there. Um, I mean, it'd be awesome to have like a dedicated bathroom. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, use what you got. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, because you did uh, skincare. Now, my wife just got me some new skincare stuff, but you were just doing Tiege and Hanley for uh, the best skincare routine of 2017. Yeah, I never, I never know what to call my <laughs> what to call my videos, but yeah, I did. So I, I've I've experimented a lot with a bunch of different skin and uh, skincare products, and I've always had, I'd say, like mild acne, um, probably like just average skin um uh and so I've, I've tried a bunch of different stuff and um aaron marino who runs the the youtube channel alpha m uh is a co-founder of a new skincare line called tige hanley um and so they sent me some stuff to try out and at the same time this other company Differin, uh sent me some of their latest and greatest acne uh stuff uh, it's called dapoline um and it was, I guess it was like prescription only for a while. And now in the, in the States, you can get it over the counter. So, um, so I, I started trying, I kind of ditched everything I was using and started using those two products uh, about four months ago. And so I wanted to give it a little time before I said anything about them. Um, and yeah, I'm really, really happy with, with that routine. So that video is just kind of documenting my, my current routine and showing some before and after. And, um, uh, you know, as, as far as I know, it's it's the best thing that I've found. But you know, I'll keep keep experimenting, of course. Yeah, I think it's like a myth. When you're a teenager, you always like hope you grow up and then you stop getting acne. But as adults, mm -hmm. I mean, you're still getting it. You're still getting pimples and everything. And I think that's been like one of the hardest lessons as I like grew up. I was like, oh yeah, I'll stop. Uh, I'll stop breaking out all the time. But you still need to have some some hygiene and some care in order to have healthy looking skin, even as guys. Oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't stop, and it's it's crazy how mysterious acne is. Like it's still, it's still totally mysterious, and they don't they don't really know why acne continues into the adult years, you know. But I think no matter what your skin is like, I mean, if you do have acne, I I recommend using some sort of acne fighting ingredient like benzoyl peroxide or adapalene or you know salicylic acid. But either way, even if you have, you know, if you're not prone to breakouts, you still have to have some sort of moisturizer and you should be using SPF if you go out in the sun. So, you know, I think, I think most guys, you know, could benefit from upgrading their, their skincare routine a little bit. Um, like at the very least, just adding a moisturizer, you know, to, to the mix. Yeah, I know. I, I remember when we spoke with Ryan, uh, Mickler of the order of man, he talked about, you know, a lot of guys don't want to talk about like feelings and emotions. And I feel like for many, especially when you're younger, it's the same way with like hair product or skin products. It's, it's kind of a taboo topic that you don't really want to talk about. At least it was for me. I never wanted to talk about, I used to tell people that my hair would look like this when I woke up and I was like putting gel in it every morning. And I was always, I was always a little embarrassed about it. Uh, but there really isn't anything to that. And I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is funny. Yeah, it's, it's so true. It's, it's very, uh, it's almost cool not to care somehow, but I, I do think that's changing a little bit and it's becoming a little there's a less of a less of a stigma around guys caring about and even talking about you know their hair and skin and appearance in general i mean obviously we don't because we do whole youtube channels on it 
I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, me too. I like try and like just trying stuff. I mean, you have to figure out what works. I, that's what I've learned from ordering from some of these made to measure companies is, uh, you know, you can do your measurements exactly the way that they tell you online, but you still aren't going to get it exactly right. It's like, you, you just got to try stuff. And that's what, as it were, we're almost like the crash test dummies that we can kind of help save people some time. Exactly. Exactly. I kind of, we're kind of the guinea pigs, you know, we'll try out some new service or product and uh, hopefully uh, people can figure out if it's something that's worth their money, you know, and their time. Yeah. Did you get any, what were, what was like one of your favorite questions from, you just did a Q and a, uh, I think it was a live stream. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Um, I'm trying to do those every Sunday. So yeah, I did my second one on Sunday and, uh, got, got a lot of really good questions actually. Um, actually I, I thought one person asked a really good question. It was, uh, if, if you only have, say, say your watch collection, you just started to build your watch collection and you have one type of watch and say it's a really casual watch or a really dressy watch and you're wearing an outfit that doesn't necessarily go with that um, that level of formality. So like say you only own one casual watch and you're wearing a suit. He said, should you wear your watch just to have it or should you just not wear it unless you have one that's like totally appropriate for that outfit? And uh, I, I, th- I thought that was a really good question. Well, what's the answer? No, I want to know. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's one of those things I think you should do whatever do whatever you want, you know, with that. But I'd say – if it's a total mismatch, you know, like if you have like a really nice sleek dress watch and you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt, probably don't wear the watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. How are you getting uh, questions on that? Do you use a form beforehand or do you just use a live chat? Well, I, I was going to actually just like my, my original plan was to go live and then go through my old comments from the week, the, just all the YouTube comments from the week and answer <clears throat> questions that people had already asked but I was like pleasantly surprised that um, I got a lot of questions coming in via uh, yeah the live chat. So it was uh, there was enough questions to to not have to go back into the archive. So it was you know a lot of really really good engagement. Very cool. Now yeah. uh, I hit a point with my hair. I know you're growing your hair out. I hit a point with my hair where I can no longer just uh, style it with my fingers. I have to actually comb it and. Mm. Uh, I don't know what what do you think is like in is long hair in you know like like you and I have a very similar you know we slick it back and it looks very like classic but mm-hmm. I don't know if I should cut it because I'm kind of at the tipping point where I'm either just going to keep letting it grow or I'm going to chop this mop off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you you've had kind of like a classic side part for a while now, right? Yeah, I really haven't anything else in like five six years. Hmm. I mean, do you think? I guess it kind of depends on your lifestyle too. I mean, obviously you travel a lot, like shorter hair is much more manageable. It looks professional. You know, it's not hard to look professional with that haircut. Um, do you think you, you could have a, a different hairstyle if, if you wanted it? Yeah, I probably could. I also have to try and get it past my wife, which I didn't really think about. So, ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think that most guys, uh, should try to grow it out a little, you know, at least once. And I, I do think that uh, long hair is going to be more in this year and probably next year. Um, I think that like the the undercut where it's like a skin fade on the sides or even like a like a total disconnect between the sides and the top. I think that's kind of 
it's not going to be it's not not going to be cool. Like it's always going to be a nice haircut that flatters a lot of guys, but I don't think it's going to be nearly as trendy as it's been for the past few years. That's pretty reassuring. Okay. Yeah, man. Plus, like if you grow it out, you can always get a haircut. But you, if you have short hair, you can't try all those different styles. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. I know. Have you ever had like longer long hair, like medium length or longer hair? Well, if you look, there's a. I think it's my MeUndies video from about a year ago or maybe a little bit more. But my hair was so long. It was very long on top. I mean, I could pull it down past my chin. But even on the back, my hair has like flares out into these wings. And you can see in the video, it, it like sticks out outside of my ears. And that was like my number one comment on almost every video. People were like, cut your hair, man. Cut, just cut it. So really? I got <laughs> I got pressured from everybody to cut my hair about a year about a you know a little over a year ago, and I was like, all right, let's let's just chop this off. So I still like so I still keep it long on top. But it was more about the backs and sides. And at the time, I was like, man, I like I kind of like having all this this hair in the back. I I just know that I'm going to be bald soon, so I need to enjoy while I have it. Oh, is that is that just uh, in the family? Oh, it's hereditary. Mom's side, dad's side, everybody's bald. Nobody has hair. Uh, so I don't have any, I don't have any early signs right now, but I'm just, you know, mentally I'll be a bald guy in, in I don't know, 15 years. That's what I'm ready for. Dude, you, you, you got to grow it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got to do it just, just to try it. It's funny though, because people have such, such strong opinions about, about your hair. I get the same thing in, in my videos, you know, some people are like, and, it, and I'm so confused because some people are like, awesome, like keep growing it. Like, you know, I want to see this hairstyle and other people like bro get a haircut you know <laughs> yeah can't please everybody well hey today we have kyle ingham who is of the distilled man i know you have hung out with him uh, in the past and we just chatted with him about you know starting his channel and some of the things he's really excited about and so uh, we can throw it over to him and, and catch up with kyle all right, so uh, welcome to the Buttoned Up Podcast. We're here today with Kyle Ingham, founder of The Distilled Man, and it's a website and YouTube channel that helps everyday guys become better, more confident men. And so we're talking about everything like uh, from how to taste scotch to how to negotiate a pay raise with your boss. So Kyle, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. So we'd love to hear a little, uh, just a little about you to get started. So if you could tell us just like where you're from, what, what you were doing before you decided to strike out on your own, and then why this, the distilled man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I'm from California, um, lived in California all my life. And, you know, the process of starting the distilled man has actually been kind of a long journey. Um, it started probably around 2008 or 2009. I had this sort of realization um, that I couldn't grill very well. And it was sort of a shock because I thought, well, I'm established, you know, I'm a guy. And I felt like this was one of those those skills that every guy is just kind of expected to know. And especially as someone, you know, I'm really into food, um, you know, I'm really into cooking. So the, the revelation that I couldn't actually grill was kind of a surprise. And as I jumped into it and started to learn and, you know, get books and learn from friends who were happy to show me, um, I realized that there were all these other skills that, you know, guys are just kind of expected to know by virtue of being men, you know, things like how to make a cocktail, um, how to change a tire, you know, how to tie a tie, like all the stuff that, you know, if you're kind of supposed to learn from your dad or your, your big brother growing up, 
but you know, I was an only child and my dad was pretty uh, hands off um, in terms of, you know, my development as a kid. So there were these things that I didn't know. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be great to be able to go somewhere and learn these things? Um, and the funny thing is, um, even though I'm doing a, a blog or website now, it, you know, I didn't, it didn't start that way. I actually had this vision uh, of having in-person classes and the model was sort of based on a cooking class. Cause I, again, I was kind of into food and I'd taken a couple cooking classes and I had this idea of, you know, eight or 10 guys in a room with an expert teacher learning hands on how to grill, you know, how to make cocktails, how to taste wine, um, maybe even how to, how to tie a tie. And that's actually how I launched the distilled man in 2011. Um, I actually quit my day job and just jumped in with both feet um, and started holding classes in San Francisco um, and doing this sort of event-based business. And it ended up, I mean, it was really exciting and you know, I actually got some press pretty quickly and got a lot of good response, but I found pretty quickly that it wasn't really the right business model for me for a number of reasons. For one, I, I was terrible at event marketing because uh, I had never <laughs> done it before. Um, but also I just found that it was not, not such a, the margins were so low because you're always sort of trying to create something, um, on the fly. And if people don't show up to your course on, you know, Wednesday at 7 PM, then, then you lose money. And, uh, and so I very quickly learned that that was not the quite right business model for me. So, so you made the transition to, um, you know, online, was that like an immediate thing or did you step back and, you know, go, go back to the day job and rethink your whole situation for a little while? Yeah. So I definitely had that situation where, again, I had sort of jumped in with both feet because knowing myself, I felt like, well, you know, I could just do this on the side and wait for it to take off. But I'm really one of those people who likes to be focused on what I'm doing. And especially uh, my previous career was in advertising and it was such an all consuming job that at the end of the day, I didn't really have much left uh, to do a side job. So I thought, let me quit, do this. So I did that for about, I think, probably six months. Um, and then as I'm watching my sort of bank account dwindle, as the revenue is not really coming in like I expected, you know, surprise, surprise, I wasn't a millionaire instantly. Um, <laughs> I, I sort of got cold feet and I ended up going back to my previous agency. And fortunately, they were, they were happy to have me um, come back. And at that point, I actually came back as sort of a contractor. I think I was working maybe four days a week. Um, maybe every, I had every Friday off to be able to do my event coordination and stuff. And um, did that for a while. And then at this, at this point, I was sort of kind of starting to read the writing on the wall about the event-based business. But it still went on for probably another, gosh, another year, year and a half, where I was trying to make it work, um, you know, trying to get people out to hustling to get people out to, to events. But o over the course of a year and a half or so, um, uh, the distilled man was sort of on life support at that point. And so gradually, very gradually, I did realize that I needed to start, you know, a blog or a go online where I could better leverage myself. Um, and the funny thing is, you know, a lot of people I had met here, here in Silicon Valley had told me just that when I started it. You know, they said, why don't you do something more scalable? And I said, well, you know, I know I should, but I just, I want to do this. Uh, but of course, ultimately, you know, they were right. 
Yeah, Kyle, you said your background's in marketing. Did had you had experience in like physical events or something like this that informed that that you made you think that that was the best way to go about this? You know, like uh, obviously technology people, like you're saying, are saying, "Hey, start a blog." But what part of your background made you, re- besides your love of cooking, made you really say, "I want to do physical events"? Sean, I wish that you would have asked me that question uh, right before I started, <laughs> because. I had absolutely no experience in event marketing. Um, my experience, um, my experience in marketing had been working with um, uh, with with big companies with big huge budgets and doing mass advertising. Um, actually, specifically working with uh, big pharma. So, I mean, if you look at it on face value, it was sort of like the first furthest thing from what I was trying to do. Um, but I just had this, I just had this itch that I wanted to scratch myself, and I think. Part of it is that I, I sort of knew that I kind of knew that I was kind of going against the grain, but at the same time, I was I was so passionate about the idea myself, and since I felt like I was really solving a problem for myself, um, that I I just wanted to pursue that. But you're absolutely right. I think uh, hindsight, it was uh, it was definitely an uphill battle. So I can really relate to your your story about not knowing how to grill <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, it's because it's one of those things that you can kind of get by faking it you know and and it and I think it's it's one of those things like you said that you just don't really learn you know necessarily from your yeah. dad or from anybody else and yeah you can get by and you know throw some burgers on or whatever but like there's and there's a lot of things like that and I think that's the stuff that you focus on with the distilled man is those those skills that you can sort of get by without but it, it'd be really more fulfilling you know to really be good at them and understand them. So you, you cover a lot of different things like, you know, from tasting scotch to cooking and um, a lot of stuff that has to do with work, like negotiating a raise. So how did you get good at all this stuff or, you know, become an expert enough to, to teach other guys? Right. Well, you know, when, again, when I started the event-based business, I, I had no pretense of trying to be an expert in these areas. I actually hired uh, instructors in uh, to, to teach my classes. So I hired a, a chef to teach my grilling class. I hired a poker expert to teach a poker class. I hired a sommelier to, to do a wine class. Um, but, you know, as I started moving towards the blog, um, I found that I didn't necessarily need to be an expert in these things, but my biggest value was actually being able to um, see the questions that people might have um, as a as a newbie. So I feel like in some ways, um, when I'm not necessarily an expert in a particular field, it helps me a little bit because I think, well, what would I want to know, or what you know, what where what areas do I feel like I know a little bit, but here's where I really don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I really approach it as I'm sort of like a journalist in many ways, where I really try to do the research, um, if possible, try to actually connect directly with experts, um, interview them, um, but really try to try to you know put myself through the paces and do the research to to find those nuggets that can be helpful to the person who's just starting out in whatever subject it is. I mean, some of these subjects I, I have learned a lot about, for instance, you know, the how to get a raise. Um, you know, I worked in corporate, the corporate world for 15 years. So I, ha- I have some experience in some of those areas, um, but certain areas I'm definitely stepping outside of my comfort zone. And that's where just, just sort of the discipline of being a good uh, journalist, for lack of a better word, um, really helps, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that make, that makes a lot of sense. And what um have you learned anything like any any little insights for other people who maybe have an idea that 
and, and they want to start building an audience online. So just going through that process of building an audience and a brand specifically online, you know, the website or YouTube channel, um, what, what are what are a couple of things that you've learned throughout that process? I think one of the one of the big things is, um, and this doesn't necessarily have to relate to online, but I think just building anything, building a brand where you where you want to build an audience and you want to have customers. I think the advice that I heard a lot and then ended up ignoring um, to my own detriment was to really connect with my users or connect with my audience. And you know, now that I've learned more about it, it's almost it almost. Uh, and I know Brock, you know about this. It almost seems too easy in some ways because. The best advice to follow, I think, is is to really connect with your customer and get to know them, ask them what they want, or ask them where their pain points are, and they're going to tell you what they need. And then the more sort of in lockstep you are with them, the better you're going to be able to deliver on that. And the, I think the stronger, your, the, the stronger connection they'll have with your brand. Kyle, if I were to Google like how to grill, there are a lot of guides out there. What what do you think helps you connect so well with your audience? Obviously, uh, you've got a, a good following now. What do you think kind of sets you apart uh, from the other guides or things out there? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think for me, I, 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 and I've, I, I hear it from emails that I get, um, you know, from uh, people who reach out to me. But I think one of the things is that um, in this in this topic area of trying to become a better man and trying to learn these skills. Again, we sort of talked about it earlier where there's a little bit of ego involved where you think you may be able to fake some of these things. And to some degree, you have to front, for instance, that you know how to grill. If you're around your buddies, you don't want to, you know, you don't want your buddies giving you giving you crap because you've burnt your steak. Um, so I think there's a lot of um, a lot of posturing out there within this in this topic area becoming a better man. So I think one of the things that I felt like my audience has appreciated is that I'm not trying to be macho macho and that I am sort of being honest about areas where I don't know about and also even more specifically being sort of gentle in the way that I'm instructing these guys and not necessarily saying you're a complete idiot if you don't know how to do these man skill things that in fact, you know what, it, it, these things take learning and you shouldn't be expected to just come out of the womb just because you have an X and Y chromosome, X and Y chromosomes that you should be able to grill or make a cocktail or change a tire. It's stuff that you have to learn. And that, and I think for me, my sort of guiding theme with the distilled man is that anyone can learn these things at any point. Kyle, I, I noticed that, um, cause we, we've been able to hang out a few times in person. Um, and that you, I, I think humor is a big part of what you do not only in your videos where you'll kind of have like humorous vignettes or just like little breaks in your videos, even if you're talking about something kind of serious. And then you do that in person too. I think you use humor to uh, to kind of break down, break the ice or like disarm people or, or just kind of make people feel more comfortable. So is that something like that you do really intentionally or is that just kind of part of, part of your personality? I don't know if I do that intentionally, um, really consciously, um, but I, I, if anything, I, maybe it's for my own comfort level because I think that's the way that, that I connect with people. And I have found, um, you know, in my personal life and even in my career in advertising, because I, when I worked in advertising, I was, um, I was a client service person. So it was my job to build a relationship with the client. And I did always find that humor helped people relax. 
and helped me relax, I think, almost more importantly. So in many ways, I think it was sort of, it's a sort of a selfish thing on my part that um, I'm sort of happiest and relaxed the most and have the most fun when, when I'm laughing. And if, um, you know, I can connect with someone over something that's funny, I think that helps us both. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's a, that's a good point, using humor to, to help other people relax and also to help you relax. Kind of just, it kind of just uh, breaks the tension in general, it seems like. Right, right. And that's the, th- I mean, that's the thing I've noticed too, and I'm sure, Brock, you've, you've seen this and, you know, connecting with other, other content creators and other people who are starting businesses is that I feel like in general, even if we get intimidated by meeting these other people who maybe are way further ahead, ahead of us um, and with their business, at the end of the day, most of these guys are just people. Most of these guys and girls are just people. And I feel like humor is a good way to kind of push all the pretenses aside and just connect with the person that's underneath. Kyle, are there any like topics that you see resonate really well in this moment? Like maybe you're starting to see a lot more interest in bourbon or a lot more in style. Is there something right now that you think guys are really looking for that uh, that you're seeing them come to you? You know, uh, style is certainly one, and I know Brock can speak to this. Um, style is definitely one of those um, sort of pillar topics that I feel like guys are interested in. Um, but when I did a, I did a recent survey to my audience um, to kind of pull them on what were their challenges, what are you know what are some specific specific areas, and one of the ones that I um, was a, that was a little more ethereal than style that rose to the top a lot was this idea of kind of staying focused and being motivated towards your goals, um, which you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, this every guy needs that, but it seemed to be a common thread. So I think, and my theory is that in some ways, you know, us guys, we have access to a lot more information. There's a lot more, you know, self-development sites out there are trying to help you become a better man or better person. And in some ways there's information overload and it's easy to, kind of get caught in that um, sort of constant information seeking and never acting trap. And so I think that's my theory on why many of these guys are saying, you know, I really want to be able to focus and be motivated towards my goals. Hmm. Well, yeah, it's, that, that's that's really interesting that you got that feedback because it's a, uh, yeah, it is kind of, um, I guess, a less specific um need but but i mean i i totally feel that you know in my life and there's just so there's so many options these days you know yeah. for what to what to focus on and what to go after so it's can be hard right well it's funny and i don't know if you've read uh tools of titans yet yeah i'm kind of jumping around you know choo- yeah. choosing my own adventure in that one <laughs> it, well exactly and that that was going to kind of be my point is that um first of all i mean i know you're a tim ferris fan also uh, and that book is is excellent. It's it's such it's so inspiring, um, but also in some ways it um, it is information overload because you're you know for people who aren't familiar it's you know it's Tim Ferriss kind of recapping uh, the highlights from interviews he's had with all these amazing you know business leaders and fitness people, and um, like you said you're kind of jumping around and I think a lot of guys sort of need to give themselves permission um, to to. To, to read something like that selectively as opposed to read it cover to cover. Like if you do read it cover to cover, you, you can be overwhelmed pretty quickly and you, you read all these inspiring stories and get motivated and, and you, you gain all this information, but then at the end of the day, you don't take any action. 
because you're just overwhelmed. Yeah, that's that's so true. Yeah, I think just yeah, giving yourself that permission and you know not feeling compelled to uh, to take it all in, you know. And and if something and it's funny because Tim Ferriss even says that I think in the forward it's like you know if you get to a chapter and and you're not really feeling it, just skip it, you know, and and mark it, you know, maybe go back later and and take note of this the kind of content that you skipped over because maybe you, maybe even you can get an insight from that. But but yeah, don't you know just because learning about the ketogenic diet is cool it doesn't mean you have to give up everything and you know try out the ketogenic diet for six months <laughs> right right one thing that's helped me recently with this because again i've i've been in that same trap where i've i've been having information overload with all these great self-development books and business books i'm reading all the time but one of the things that's really helped me from pat flynn recommended it is that is to really think about what you want to do, what your top one or two goals are in the immediate, you know, three months or whatever. And then to only focus um, any sort of self-development or instructional books on those things. So that instead of, you know, treating your your self-development and motivational uh, books as just a constant influx or constant um, injection of motivation, to think more deliberately and use them almost like manuals, like the manual for your car or something like that. It's actually um, kind of a manual for action as opposed to just that constant motivation. Yeah, that's great advice. And as speaking of, you know, short-term or medium-term goals, uh, you know, you're, you're doing Distilled Man full-time. You've, you've built a lot of momentum. So what's next? What are you most excited about with the Distilled Man right now? Uh, probably the private jet that I'm buying. Ah, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what model are you going with? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many choices in my price point. <laughs> <laughs> speak, speak of too many options. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, you know, I think um, one of the things that I'm, I think, well, there's a couple of things. One, one thing in terms of my plans is that I am actually going to be launching a podcast myself. And um, obviously there's tons of podcasts out there, but like with many of the things that I'm doing for the distilled man, I, I'm doing it for sort of selfish reasons. Um, one of the things that I've found about myself is you know, working in a, an internet business of, you know, where I'm the chief cook and bottle washer. Is that, is that the expression chief cook and bottle washer? Um, <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> sounds right. Uh, you know, when you're sort of a, an entity of one, um, you, you have to find ways, I think, to, to energize yourself and you have to look for the things that, that give you energy um, and motivate you. And one of the things that I found really gives back to me is connecting with people live. Um, whereas, you know, when you're, you know, when you're knee deep in a 2,500 word um, blog post that you've revised six times, you know, you don't all, you don't often feel that that energy coming back to motivate you. Um, a lot of times, it feels like a slog. So, for me, yeah, very excited about the podcast. Is there like a, an article or a page that you send to somebody to like give them a really good idea of the distilled man? Or is there somewhere you'd like to point people? I, you know, I think you can actually just go to my homepage and right on the top of my homepage at thedistilledman.com. I have uh, a free ebook that I give out that I think is a really good introduction um, to the distilled man because it, the idea is that it's, uh, it's called 48 Hour Gentleman your one weekend plan to more confidence, poise, and manly know-how. And the idea is it's sort of a series of 
nine things that you can do, um, action steps, not just things to read, but action steps, nine things that you can do to become a better man in one weekend. And again, going back to that, you know, hearing from my audience, um, a lot of times information isn't just what you need. You need to actually, you know, seize the moment and take action. We'll check that out. And then any uh, dates or specifics on the podcast you're willing to share or still work in progress? Don't pressure me, John. Don't pressure me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, it's, it's coming out soon. I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that within, uh, within a month I'll have uh, my launch ready. Very cool. Well, look forward to that and uh, check that out. It'd probably be you know, iTunes' number one place for that. So, yeah, definitely. It definitely will. <laughs> Very cool, Kyle. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Buttoned Up, a podcast project by Brock McGoth of The Modest Man and John Shanahan of Cavalier, and we will see you next week.